Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm going to read one verse in your hearing. Joe, what translation do you have back there? ESV? Amen. Y'all listen to me because ESV don't say what I wanted to say. So I got a translation. Uh, the living Bible says it the way I want to say it. So uh, y'all just trust that I'm preaching from the Bible tonight. Amen. Amen. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. It's the living Bible. It says the people shall no longer quote this proverb. Children pay for their father's sins. And in that day, the people shall no longer quote this proverb. Children pay for their father's sins. Amen. I want to preach tonight for a little while using as a subject, no more hand-me-downs. Amen. No more hand-me-downs. Father, help me in Jesus' name. Amen. I've often heard my father and mother and other seasoned saints around me talk about and oftentimes lament over the reality of hand-me-down clothes. Shirts and pants, sweaters and dresses, coats and shoes that were forced upon them from older members of their family without any conversation or discussion. But it wasn't done to be cruel because oftentimes families handed things down because the social and economic realities of life left them with no other choice. As a matter of fact, even today, this is a reality for some because you'll see a boy wearing the shoes of his older brother or a little girl wearing the jeans of her older sister because sometimes the circumstances of life leave people in a position where they are forced to wear hand-me-downs. And it can be embarrassing, even humiliating, because no one wants to be forced to wear things that once belonged to somebody else. It doesn't matter how much you love them. It doesn't matter if you thought it looked good on them. Nobody likes to wear hand-me-downs. Before I go any further, I want to make an observation tonight, because many of us in this room right now, whether we know it or not, are wearing hand-me-downs. Because although many of us may have been fortunate enough not to have to wear the clothes of an older relative, there are many of us who have slipped into the sanctuary tonight wearing the hand-me-down issues forced upon us by our family of origin. As a matter of fact, if you would be honest and make an assessment of the struggles in your life, you would have to acknowledge that there are problems that you have that did not start with you. There was an anger problem that you inherited from your auntie. There was insecurity that you inherited from your grandmother. There was manipulation that came from your mother. And there was promiscuity that came from your father. And now you find yourself as an adult needing spiritual rehabilitation because you have accepted hand-me-down bondage from your bloodline. What complicates the matter is this, because certain behaviors and certain thought patterns and ways of doing things were introduced to us at such a young and impressionable age, we oftentimes find ourselves adopting ungodly attributes and unknowingly attempting to justify them by pointing to the flaws in our family tree and saying things like, that's just who we are. This life is all I know. This is the type of people that I come from, not realizing that by doing that, you are perpetuating a cycle of spiritual dysfunction where sins are passed down from one generation to another like hand-me-down clothes. This is why you find yourself, beloved, struggling with things that you can't explain. 
This is why you feel as if in some cases you were born broken. It is because there were things that your mother did and things that your father did and things that your grandparents did that they never got deliverance from. And because they never got delivered, they passed down to you an inheritance of iniquity. These are the things that the previous generation did, the the problems that they had that they didn't take the time to get delivered from. So now we're forced to deal with bondage and struggles that are not the results of our own actions, but they were forced upon us like a pair of raggedy shoes from one sibling to another. And I know that there are many who try to say that generational curses aren't real. But if you look at America, you can see that there was a clear legacy of dysfunction being handed down from one generation to another in what Maya Angelou called these yet to be United States. Because the curse of brokenness or I'm sorry, the brokenness of the black family is a generational curse. Men being removed from their homes because of over imprisonment and then a welfare system that only works if the father is not present has given birth to a generation of men who never saw their fathers and now they think that real men don't have to raise their children because their fathers didn't stick around to raise them. I promise I'll preach if you help me tonight. There are black women who were forced to fend for themselves in a dog-eat-dog world and had to use their bodies as a source of income to feed their children. So they learned how to use sex as a weapon until they could make a better life for themselves, not knowing that the daughters who were watching them thought that that was what it meant to be a woman and so now we have sisters showing off their bodies on social media being objectified and falling into patterns of promiscuity because mama never understood her value okay I guess y'all ain't gonna go with me white privilege is a generational curse God help me preach tonight because although many of our brothers and sisters uh, who have not been kissed by nature's son are not overtly racist God help me the racism of the generation before them has taken root in their hearts and blinded them to the harsh reality that they are succeeding in a system that is set up for them to succeed and that when people of color falter or fail or die it is the result of the same system that they themselves are benefiting from but privilege passed down from one generation to another makes someone look in the face of a black mother crying over her unarmed black son being slain in the street and declare all lives matter privilege being passed down from one generation to another is what emboldens men to dream of building walls to keep brown people out of a nation that their fathers stole from the brown skinned natives that owned it when they landed here on Plymouth Rock and all I'm trying to say is whether it is absentee fathers, promiscuity prejudice or privilege whether it is homosexuality lesbianism, lying or adultery whether it is manipulation, depression anxiety or suicide whether it is religion, self-righteousness bitterness, anger, or unforgiveness, we are all wearing issues that did not start with us because our sin nature was nurtured by family members who did not properly deal with their mess. And because of that, all of us in some way are sitting in the building tonight wearing hand-me-downs. God, help me preach your word tonight. But even though all of us have been affected by the flaws in our family tree and we all have issues and struggles and conditions 
that seem to be handed to us without our knowledge or consent. The redemptive reality of the righteous is that because of Jesus Christ, we can choose not to bear the bondage that has burdened our bloodline. Yes, we have a tattered family history. We may have some dysfunction in our DNA. We may have some battles in our blood and some flaws in our family tree. But the beauty of our lives is that if we belong to God, the cross of Calvary has become our family tree and the blood of Jesus has become our new bloodline. And we don't have to accept the dysfunction of those who came before us because of Jesus. We have the right to boldly declare that we will not accept the hand-me-down sins that have hindered the generations that have come before us. And I know that sounds too good to be true tonight, but in this week's rehab session, I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet who is speaking to the people of God while they are in Babylonian captivity. And Jeremiah, beloved, is not the most popular prophet, but he is one of the most faithful. And the reason why Jeremiah is not popular is because while most of his contemporaries were telling God's people that the captivity was about to be over and that in a few more days they were going to come out of their bondage, Jeremiah was the one that had to tell them the harsh truth. And the truth was that because of their sins, they were going to be in slavery for a long time. But not just any amount of time. Jeremiah tells them in Jeremiah chapter 29 that they're going to be in bondage for 70 years. And this means that not only were the sinners going to be punished for their transgressions against God, but it means that they were going to give birth to children that would have children that would pay for their parents' sins. Jeremiah tells the people that because of your issues, you are going to be put into bondage. But because you are into bondage, anything that you give birth to while you're in bondage will also be born in bondage. This teaches us, beloved, the importance of living a life of obedience to God because just like your obedience can set your family up for blessing, your disobedience, thank you, Lord, can set them up for bondage. This flies in the face of a culture that teaches us to live life for ourselves and to try to live our best life. But God wants us to know that there is more at stake than just us. God, help me. The reason why you need to be free from the sin in your life is because if we give birth while we are in bondage, everything that we give birth to is born into bondage. So you don't just need to be free for yourself. You need to be free for everything that is connected to you. God, help me. Look at somebody. Help me preach tonight. Look at somebody and say, I can't afford to lose. God, help me. Oh, God, that's the wrong somebody. Look at somebody else. Say, I can't afford to lose uh, because I've got destiny in me. God, help me. You got somebody that's depending on you tonight. The reason why you got to get free, the reason why you get have to get loose from your bondage is because you have people, God, help me tonight, that are depending on you to be free. And Jeremiah tells the people that they will be in bondage for 70 years because of their sins and that their children will have to pay for their sins by also being born in bondage. But when we get to Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah changes course and begins to prophesy about a day when God will have mercy and visit his people. And in this day of visitation, God will gather his people from their places of bondage and bring them back to their home in Jerusalem, which is the city of God. Jeremiah prophetically promises them that God will fight every enemy, that God will defeat every foe, and that as fierce as God was in judgment, he will be equally as loving in this season of restoration. Jeremiah declares that God will no longer have to remind Israel about their covenant with him 
because God will write his word upon their hearts. And we understand tonight that this prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 31 was fulfilled in part when the king of the Persian Empire, after defeating the Babylonians, allowed the people of God to return to their homeland. But we also understand that this prophecy was ultimately fulfilled through Jesus Christ because through the sacrifice of Jesus, God has now gathered to himself a new people of God, not one defined by ethnicity and class, but one brought together by the blood of Jesus Christ. God declares that he will deal with this new family with grace and personally oversee their restoration. Now, why is this important? This is important because all of us have issues in our family that we wish that we could disassociate ourselves from. And rather than erasing your relatives that get on your nerves and don't like you and make you mad, God says, I'm not going to erase your family, but I'm going to give you the choice to become a part of a new family, God help me, that is not defined by your family tree, but it is defined by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at what Jeremiah says, through, or God says through the prophet Jeremiah in verse 29. He tells them, he says, look, uh, you're currently living in a season Where children have no choice but to live with the results of their parents' poor decisions. He said, but there's a new day coming. And Jeremiah says that in that day, people are going to have to change their slang. They're going to have to adjust their vernacular. Because verse 29 says that when God visits his people and when he provides them with restoration... The Bible says the people shall no longer quote this proverb. Children pay for their father's sins. The New American Standard Bible renders it this way. He says, in those days, it will not say again. They will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And while the people of God that Jeremiah was prophesying to had to look forward to that day. We have the privilege of looking back to that day. What day? The day when Jesus, heaven's hero and earth's emancipator, died on an old rugged Roman cross for your sins and mine. Because God poured out the wrath for my daddy's sins on Jesus. I have a right to choose whether or not I allow those sins that Jesus already paid for to be passed on to me. I now get to choose to either put on the bondage of my bloodline or I can choose to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, before we, before Jesus, beloved, we were doomed to walk down a path of destruction that was predetermined by our family history. But because of Christ, we no longer have to try to live up to our family name and we no longer have to try to live it down. But we can now identify with a brand new family bonded together by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, generational curses are real, but on the cross, Christ absorbed the curse that would try to cancel your destiny as a matter of fact Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written curse is everyone who hangs on a tree so when Jesus hung on the cross he hung there for your daddy that wasn't there he hung there for your mother's manipulative spirit he hung there for your parents divorce he hung there for your granddaddy's alcohol habit he 
hung there for greatest bitterness, anger, and pride. Jesus hung there to pay so that you didn't have to pay. Jesus claimed their issues so that you don't have to claim their issues. And Jeremiah prophesied that a day was coming, but I came to declare to you tonight that that day has already come. And if you have placed your trust in Jesus, then that means you don't, you may have their DNA, but you don't have to do what they did. You don't have to accept the generational curse. You don't have to bear the offenses of your family. You don't have to be like your mama or your daddy if you don't want to be. The truth of your life and my life is that from Adam there has been a curse of disobedience on our families. But 2,000 years ago, a brown-skinned immigrant named Jesus carried the cross up a mountain called Calvary and nailed our crosses to a tree, canceling them for all times so that whoever calls on his name, God help me, could be delivered from the curse. And the beauty of your life is that because of the power of the curse-canceling Christ, you can choose to reject the curse and be like Jesus. God help me. Oh God, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but somebody needs to get excited about the fact, I might be preaching to myself tonight, somebody needs to get excited about the fact that when you got Jesus, you didn't just get salvation. God help me. You got a choice. God help me. Oh Lord, any bondage that you are in, you are choosing to stay in it. It doesn't matter what's in your bloodline. It doesn't matter how much your uncles drank. It doesn't matter how much your grandmother cussed folk out. It doesn't matter what's in your blood. When you got Jesus, God help me. You got a choice. God help me. And is there anybody here that can say, I'm glad I have a choice because if I got a choice, I'm going to choose to be free. Oh God, you ain't always had a choice. Before Jesus, you were a slave to the sin in your bloodline. You were a slave to the sin in your heart. But when you accepted Jesus, he says, not only am I going to give you a new name, I'm going to give you a new nature and you can submit to the nature I gave you or you can submit to the nature you were born with. But everybody has a choice. So what does this mean for us? I'm almost done. This means that number one, I don't have to pay for the sins that my family committed before me. Yeah. I don't have to pay for the sins that my family committed before me. Many of us know what it's like to have some dirt in our family that you had nothing to do with. Old mistakes, an old mess that was attached to your last name long before you were twinkling your daddy's eye. And many of us know what it's like to try to live down a bad reputation that wasn't created by us. But it was thrust upon us by our father who was a crook or our mama who was petty or our brothers who were troublemakers. There are things that came over, beloved, with your family on the boat. That you are not even aware of, but late in the midnight hour, you got thoughts and urges and you have no idea where they came from. Mad at people because somebody told you that you wasn't supposed to like them. Bearing offenses that you wasn't even alive to witness. You don't even know if you want to drink, but you started doing it because everyone around you was doing it. Weren't ready for sexual activity, but because no one in your family waited until they were married or were celibate, you started getting active before you were ready. Settling for a deadbeat because your mom 
mama settled for your daddy. Developing an appetite for dysfunction and damaging everyone in your path because that's all you know. But if you belong to Jesus, what ruled your family in times past does not have to have dominion over you. You have the power and the authority by the blood of Jesus to let their problems be their problems and move on and be free to be the person that God has called and purposed you to be. God help me. Because of the redemptive work of Jesus, I have the ability to declare that this cycle that has hindered my family ends with me. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody needs to declare tonight that it ends with me. I I know everybody in my family uh, got pregnant before they found a man uh, to marry them, but it ends with me. I know that I might have even continued the cycle a little bit, but it ends with me. My daughter, my son aren't going to have to deal with the things that I dealt with because I didn't get delivered in time. Somebody needs to learn how to declare that it ends with me. You don't have to pay for what your family did. And if you decide tonight that the cycle ends with you, then by the power of God, the cycle will be broken. I don't have to pay for the sins my family committed before me. But not only that, I don't have to pay for the sins that my family committed around me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest because all of us have seen some crazy things. All of us have had to watch bad examples. Some of us are failing at marriage because we never saw a healthy marriage. Some of us men are failing as fathers because we only saw fathers who failed. And so now many of us have adopted behaviors that aren't right and are hindered in our pursuit of destiny and purpose because of the sins that were committed by the family members who were around us. But because of Jesus, we are no longer limited to the feeble and flawed examples around us. But in Christ, we have a perfect example. And while it may be easy to fall into sin by comparing ourselves to those around us, we run... We run out of excuses when we look at the perfection of the Prince of Peace. God help me. My uncles might have been hustlers, but Jesus was a hardworking man. My aunties might have been gossips, but there was no guile or deceit found in his mouth. My mother may have been inconsistent in her care and affection, but he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. My daddy might have been a deadbeat. Papa might have been a rolling stone. God help me. But he is a good, good father. And I am glad that because of him... I do not have to pay for the sins that my family committed before me and I don't have to pay for the sins that my family committed around me. And this year, I'm going to stop using the poor examples around me that I saw as an excuse to live foul and I'm going to choose to be like Jesus. God, help me. Oh, God, God don't care nothing about what your mama did. God doesn't care about what your granny was into. God doesn't care if your mother used to take you and get you drunk and taught you how to roll a blunt. He don't care nothing about that because at the end of the day your parent is not your example Christ is your example God help me and is there anybody here that can say I just want to be like Jesus in this season of my life I, I got too many people that have disappointed me too many people that have let me down too many people that have walked away from me in this season of my life I want to be like Jesus that's what Paul said Paul said I got a whole bunch of stuff that I could remember from my past but forgetting those things that are behind me God help me is there anybody 
anybody here that can say I press forward towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ I want to be like Jesus God help me Paul said that I might know him God help me in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his suffering stop using people as an excuse to be foul God knows what you saw him do God knows how they broke you down God knows how they disappointed you but God has never left you or forsaken you he is your perfect example so I don't have to pay for the sins that my family committed before me I don't have to pay for the sins my family committed around me but then thirdly and I'm in my seat because of Jesus I don't have to pay for the sins my family committed against me I don't have to pay for the sins that they committed against me. Hear me clearly. Hear me. This is for every person that has been abused, every person who has been molested, every person who has been mishandled. This is for every person that was talked down to and told you're going to be just like your daddy or you're fast just like your mother. This is for every person who had issues, who has issues now because of something your family did to you back then. You have been hurt and you have been violated by people who were supposed to keep you safe. And now that trauma has warped your mind to the place where now you don't even know what's right and what's wrong. You're just trying to survive because you're holding on to an offense that was handed to you from a person that you loved and trusted. And I want you to know tonight that you are not crazy, you are not weird, you're not a hoe, you're not a punk, you're not a sissy, you are a victim. And we need to call it what it is. You were violated and you were betrayed. But if you don't learn to take those cares and cast them on God, you will find yourself locked in a prison that will keep you from becoming who it is that God has called you to become. It's a reality that your father wasn't there. It's a reality that your mother was too busy trying to replace your daddy that she forgot to love you while she was looking for love herself. It's a reality that your cousins and uncles were supposed to be caring for you, but instead they were picking on you and even victimizing you. It's true that your husband betrayed your trust. It's true that your wife was not supportive in the right moment and didn't speak life into you in your low season. It's a reality that you've been made fun of and even objectified and targeted by people all of your life. It's true that your mama called you fast and that your daddy might have called you a punk and that your grandparents were physically and verbally and mentally abusive. But it's also true that 2,000 years ago, God took every one of those offenses and nailed them to the cross of Jesus Christ. And because of that, now you have a choice. You can either hold on to the sins that were committed against you and let them keep you from walking into your destiny, or you can can disarm the devil by learning to shout over the fact that what happened to you really happened to you but it didn't break you God help me is there anybody who can testify about the fact that I'm still here God help me abused but still here neglected but still here abandoned but still here divorced but still here as a matter of fact your neighbor doesn't even know why this message is blessing you on the inside because they can't look at you and tell all of the hell that you've been through you 
sitting in church tonight looking like you ain't even been through nothing. But the truth is God has been keeping you even though you've been taking the hand-me-downs. God, help me. Oh, God, you wearing hand-me-downs tonight. Hand-me-down depression. Hand-me-down anxiety. Hand-me-down anger. Hand-me-down abuse. Hand-me-down promiscuity. But you still look blessed. God, help me. And I got a question for you tonight. If you look this good and you're still wearing the hand-me-downs, imagine how good you'd look if you decided to let them go. It doesn't matter what they did before you. It doesn't matter what they did around you. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Because of Jesus, we can be free from generational curses and bondage. Because of Jesus, we can refuse to bear the bondage that has burdened our bloodlines. God, help me. I got to get you out of here tonight, but I want you to know that the only way a child of God can live under a curse is if they choose to. God, help me. Oh, God. But if we're going to be delivered, then we got to choose to declare, I'm not carrying this curse anymore. God, help me. Some of y'all walked in here tonight. Oh, God, with baggage in your hand. Oh, God. But you got to decide to let it go. Let me help you. And I'm in my seat. My son, Junior, God, help me. Uh, He loves food and he loves snacks. He gets it from his mama and his daddy. He get it honest. He loves food and snacks. But one time when we were visiting home in Omaha, Nebraska, he had dropped a pack of fruit snacks into a vase. Oh, God. He went into the vase to get the pack of fruit snacks. But there was only one problem. The opening in the vase was big enough to get his clenched fist through it. But it wasn't enough to get his or to get his open hand through it. But it wasn't big enough to get his clenched fist out. God, help me. And so when I saw my son following him behind my mother, he was carrying around this small vase because he didn't want to let go of what was in his hand. Oh, God. But then he started crying to me. He said, Daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, I'm stuck. I was half asleep. I didn't understand what was happening to my son. But then I looked and I assessed the situation and I said, son, God help me. If you want to be free, you got to want freedom more than what you want inside the vase. And if you want to be free, you got to let it go. When I told him to let it go, something clicked in his 18 month old mind and he let it go and he said, daddy, I got it. I got it. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching in here tonight, but you got to decide tonight to let the curse go. You've been carrying it, crying to God. I want to be free. I want to be loosed. I want to be delivered, but you won't let it go. Mama hurt you, but you won't let it go. Daddy wasn't there, but you won't let it go. Husband cheated. God help me, but you won't let it go. Friends walked away from you, but you won't let it go. But if you want to be free, God help me, you got to want freedom more than what you want and more than what you want in your history. And I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I came to tell you tonight that if you let it go, God will break the curse. Because I came to announce to you tonight that we serve a God who is a curse-breaking God. You don't have to live in fear that what manifested itself in your father will manifest itself in you. You don't have to worry that the issues that plague your mother and your grandmother and your aunties and your cousins will attach themselves to you. Because we serve a curse-breaking God. And that needs to be your testimony. If you don't remember nothing else I said, you walk into the parking lot remembering tonight that we serve a curse-breaking God. You should be there. You should have to carry the flaws of your family tree. But beloved, we serve a curse-breaking God. God, I feel like preaching tonight. The devil trying to attack my body, but I might as well give him hell in return. Grab your neighbor and say, we serve a curse-breaking God. Oh, God. Oh, we serve a curse-breaking God. I should end up like my father. 
but we serve a curse breaking God I should be strung out like my mother but we serve a curse breaking God I feel the Holy Ghost I should be mean like my grandmother but we serve a curse breaking God I should be messy like my grandfather but we serve a curse breaking God I should be confused about my sexual identity but we serve a curse breaking God I should be bound in depression but we serve a curse breaking God I should be overwhelmed by anxiety but we serve a curse breaking God I should be a deadbeat daddy but we serve a curse breaking God you should be a trifling mother but we serve a curse breaking God come on Jason I feel it now I should be running the streets but I serve a curse breaking God I should be doing time in jail but we serve a curse breaking God I should have lost my mind but we serve a curse breaking God I should be broke living outdoors but we serve a curse breaking God my children should have diabetes and high blood pressure but I believe that we serve a curse breaking God I should be on my way to a burning hell but we serve a curse breaking God is the real mighty here in 11:22 at seven o'clock tonight who can testify for 30 seconds that I should be worse off than I am but the beauty of my life is that I serve a curse breaking God when did he break the curse 2,000 years ago how did he break it on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best forward of poor sinners was slain I know y'all don't know that song but they hung him high they stretched him wide he dropped his head and then he died but that's not how the story is three days later he rose again is there anybody here in the building tonight that can say the curse is broken because I serve a curse breaking God I'm not going to live under the curse but I refuse to keep bringing it up yes your mama was crazy everybody that know your mama know that but that ain't got nothing to do with you yes your daddy wasn't abused but that ain't got nothing to do with you every woman in your family has been a gossip but that ain't got nothing to do with you is there anybody here that can say I'm free praise the Lord I'm free no longer bound no more chains holding me my soul is resting it's just a blessing I might be able to get it this time. Thank you. Thank you.
y'all tripping. Because somebody in here, you got too much bondage in your family, too many crazy folk attached to you for you to be sitting up here looking at me like I ain't preaching to you. But if you got anything in your life that you want to see God deliver you from, I did just lift up your hands and give him praise right now. Say, God, take it from me. God, take it from me. God, take it from me. Take it. Take it. I want to be a good husband. Can't be one unless you take it. I want to be a good wife. I can't be one unless you take it. I want to be a successful single person. Can't do it unless you take it. Take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. Whatever is in me that's not like you. Whatever is in me that's still living under the curse. Take it, Jesus. Take it. Lift your hands all over the building. Lift your hands all over the building.